Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers discussing topics of faith and family. It's October. We are almost to the end of our calendar year of our episodes this year, and it's really hard to believe that after today we only have one more to go. It is just unbelievable (laughs) that we've had... 10, right? This is October, so 10. Double digits, we made Um, it. (laughs) (laughs) We are coming up in the world. But this being at this point in time of the year, you know, we've just transitioned in seasons. We have made it literally almost to the end of uh, 2021. And so the topic for today just kind of seems very fitting for me in my mind uh, of meditation. Um. Everything that we've talked about throughout this year so far, for those who have been journeying with us, listening to us, um, and just committed to the the conversations and our discussions that we've had, um, literally every single time we've, we've ourselves even, had so much material to feed on, to feast on, and to meditate on. And so I think that this topic today is just kind of a, a precursor to, like, the finale for the year to just kind of remind us to meditate in general, and then just to consider what have we been meditating on, what do we meditate on, and just overall, like, what what is it to meditate? Um, it's something so simple, but at the same time, you know, are we really getting the most out of something so simple in our lives? Are we maximizing it? Are we really taking it for what it's worth in our lives? So um, I just want to kind of talk about what it is to meditate. Um, and then get your thoughts on just our topic today and just what you think and how it uh, has inspired you or stirred you a little bit. Um, when we think of meditation, we're not talking about like, you know, yoga, transcendental meditation, Buddhism, Hinduism. We're not talking about that. We are talking about just simply put focusing, um, focusing your mind for a period of time. So what has the center of your interest or activity? Mm. And then plain and simply, what are you considering and reflecting on? That's literally it when we think about meditation. So when you hear this concept, this this idea of meditation, what does it make you think of? Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit about just kind of, you know, different types of meditation and where people's minds typically go to. And I think as believers, we kind of over, over complicate um, meditation. Um, Mm -hmm. and so really even just in in my study of this, um, as of late, you know, it was really refreshing just to see the simplicity of meditation. Um, but I think when I think about meditation, it's just simply just to think, (laughs) um, I mean, you talked about focusing, you know, for a period of time. Um, I think we just have to make a conscious decision to just consider, to just contemplate, to reflect, um, you know, it doesn't take, um, much, um, I guess work, if you will, um, from the complexity of it, but it's, I guess, just marrying two ideas to think um, and to spend time thinking, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think that exactly. would just be the simplicity of it. So yeah, I mean, I like your definition. You said to focus one's mind for a period of time. So you're focusing, aka think, for a period of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, for some length. So um, yeah, I think just being conscious of that. Um, and I think meditation, the beauty of it is that, um, you know, because we live in such a, a hurried world that it just slows us down um, and just mm-hmm. being able to just focus on the fact that, yes, what is important? Um, what is it that we want to center our attention on? Um, 
and just really just putting that before us. Um, and I, I think if we're not focused on God, um, you know, what is it that we are focused on? So um, I think that's yeah. just, you know, me in a nutshell is um, just thinking about God um, and thinking about him continually and often. Um, yeah. That's really good because I think something that we're going to see throughout the conversation is something that you just said, which is making a conscious decision to think. So whether we intentionally or unintentionally uh, make the decision, we are literally making decisions about what we meditate on throughout our day. Yeah. Um, but what you said is conscious decision. So that, uh, that is intentional when you're making conscious decisions. When you're unconscious or subconsciously doing it, you're not really, it's just kind of like you're just moving, you know. But making conscious decisions, that's why we're having this conversation to kind of assess ourselves, to make ourselves aware of, like, what decisions we are making. Because we do things all the time, but sometimes we don't stop to look at what we're doing, why we're doing, and how we're doing it. So mm. that, that kind of brings me. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a deep point. So um, I only want to cut you off because you said it here, and I, I don't want to go too far because I know how we get mm -hmm. <laughs> Um so you said uh, unconscious versus conscious. Um, so if we think about things that we unconsciously do, um, the thing that comes to mind is breathing. Like we unconsciously breathe all the time, right? Um, right. And we have to. But I think when you differentiate the difference between conscious and unconscious, especially as we think about the spirit, is that you don't think about breathing, but you have to. So. Mm -hmm can we ever consciously meditate so much to the point that it becomes an unconscious thought, right? Mm. Where we know wow. that we have to do it and we know that it's something that's a part of our life. So if we're thinking about things and it's like, Oh man, like I didn't think about that, but I thought about it. It's an unconscious thought because that's what you put in your spirit. If you're not meditating mm. on the things of God, then naturally you'll, you'll unconsciously think in those moments. It's just like I used to say, and I, I think I actually said this on another podcast as well, but like if I stub my toe, I'm not cussing. Because right. when I was consciously thinking, I don't talk like that. So when it unconsciously happens in a moment's notice and an impulse, what comes out is what I consciously think about all the time, right? And so I think mm -hmm. as we continue to meditate on things consciously, that that's what comes out when you're not thinking about it, right? <laughs> and so... Oh, my God. Yeah. This is so good already. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> that's a perfect example. So like, okay, if, if you do take it to the initial um, thing that I was saying, kind of like in the introductory words about what people tend to think about with meditation, if you're looking at yoga and like kind of Eastern forms of meditation, what do you typically envision? You envision mm -hmm. kind of somebody sitting like Indian style yeah. mm -hmm. or some other kind of way on the ground. They're in this kind of Zen-like eyes closed, whatever position, right? And then they're, fo if you've ever heard or watched it, you've seen them talk about focusing on your breathing, right? Mm. So like you said, it's the unconscious thing that we do, but now they want you to hone in and focus on breathing at that point in time. So yes, there are times that we unconsciously or subconsciously are, are doing activities that are just, we just do them no matter what without trying. But then there are moments in time where we have to, even if you're not in a meditative state, if you are just like you're for some reason your fight or flight, which is a normal thing in every human being, is just peaked for some reason and your breathing is just erratic or something like that, you now have to focus on how to slow your breathing down. So then your focus shifts to get yourself to like 
slowing that down and calculating your breaths and things like that. Women in Lamaze, they tell you to focus on your breathing rhythms and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So I'm saying all this to say, how does this tie into meditation? Because like you were saying, um, is there a time and a place that we can meditate so much that it becomes um, unconscious, right? Or is that, is that how you said it? Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's the point, right? Because, you know, yeah. even as we talked about in, in another part, and I, I love how you said that this is kind of like a culmination because these are things that we've talked about. You know, if you go back to the first nine episodes, you know, we're, we're given practical um, topics, you know, for us to chew on. And now mm-hmm. when you get to one that says, okay, now consider, the first nine, you know, it's, you know, we're stirring you up by way of reminder. Sometimes we need to be reminded. And so what we have Mm -hmm. periods in our life where, you know, of course we know life ebbs and flows. There's going to be times where we feel like, man, praise God, everything's going well. There's going to be times like, Mm -hmm. man, things aren't going so well. That's where meditation comes in is that you get to now consider the promises of God. When those moments are are rough, whereas when they're, when they're positive, what are the things you're, you're meditating on? So it's not that you're only meditating Mm -hmm. when things are, are negative, but your meditation and what you are meditating about might be different. So you're always sending your thoughts right. on God, but one might be praise. One might be uh, worship. One might be confession, whatever the case may be. One right. might be Thanksgiving. So we're always thinking about God. We just might be practicing a different component of his character yeah. in meditation, but we should always be thinking. about <laughs> God. Yeah. And I love that so much because I like to think of myself as a person who has a lifestyle of just meditation. Like I do. Christian meditation and all those ways that you just described, but I don't have to sit here and say, oh, I'm going to meditate on the Lord right now. I just Mm -hmm. do it, you know? So just like you're saying, when you, when you formulate your lifestyle or you develop your lifestyle in such a way that this now becomes second nature, because things don't become second nature until they become a habit Mm -hmm. that you've done consistently over time, where now you don't have to try to do it. It now becomes part of your nature. Mm. So now I don't have to say I'm going to meditate because I just meditate, period. It's just automatically what I do. I don't have to say I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes in meditation. It's just automatically my routine. It's in my rhythm now. I don't have to set that aside. It's just how I roll. Mm. So, you know, (laughs) does that make sense? So like that whole. Yes. I love talking (laughs) to you because you bring out so many like (laughs) illustrations that I don't even really consider. And this is, I mean, this is about a price. So. I mean, I, I hope that people understand, even in our communication, like this is what we need. And this is why we need the church so much, because talking it out allows us mm-hmm. to, to be able to reflect and, and expound on things that we may be thinking just on our own. Um, and it right. just solidifies our thinking. Um, but you said that you want it to become second nature. So mm-hmm. and I feel like we're just going to get all off the notes today. So I'm going to try to keep it in, in the lane. <laughs> but <laughs> my the first Lord question would be then is what is our first nature, right? So Mm. our first nature, you can't have a second nature until your first nature is what you do in your second nature. So I'll Mm -hmm. I'll kind of, I could try to break that down. So our first nature is what we're meditating on, right? So if we're able to say, okay, God, this is what I want to consciously think about. Our second nature is our subconscious. So we can't subconsciously think about something that's not in our first nature to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So what are we feeding ourselves and what are we choosing to say, this is how I want to respond. And if we don't, then what happens is that our sanctification is at stake. So that's what we're meditating mm-hmm. on. That's why we're meditating is because we're reflecting a on the goodness of God. But then secondly, like we're, we're choosing to say God. And, and I love Psalm 119 is, you know, how, how can I keep my way pure by living every day according to the word of God? So mm-hmm. are there times we might forget the word? 
yes, if we're not reading it, you know, I might have read um, a book in kindergarten, but if you ask me about it today, I'm gonna say, well, um, I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was a great book then, but I don't remember that. And so, what if right. I said, hey, you know what? I got saved at 16. You know, I read the Bible then. It was wonderful. Praise God. Thank you right. for his word. And then I never opened it again. Where That's would I right. be as a believer? So if I'm not mm -hmm. constantly saying, okay, God, your word is alive, Hebrews 4.12, and active, then what am I going to do? So I'm constantly bringing this back to myself so that it becomes my second nature, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I just, I love that that picture that, Holy. you know, we have to feed ourselves so that when we respond we're all like you said you have a lifestyle of worship it's not mm -hmm. just oh, i'm a worship on sundays and and we have to evaluate ourselves in that vein is do i only worship when i'm in what we consider quote unquote the presence of god which yeah. is inside of the four walls or is do am right. i going to recognize that i'm the church which means i'm always worshiping right <laughs> because mm -hmm. that's my nature that becomes second nature when i realize that my first nature is worship so I'm gonna stop there because I know we're gonna keep it moving. But <laughs> okay, man, just, I, but you I, I love you this. just set me up. You just set me up for my introductory point, which is Joshua one, because you're talking about the first nature and the second nature. So our first nature on just a spiritual level is without Christ. Like mm. we were sinners before we decided to surrender our lives to Christ. Our second nature develops because we surrender the fleshly ways, the fleshly mindset, and all of that. But that nature continues to grow and develop but how does it grow and develop we'll just read the scripture and this is what will take us to the next thing it says in um joshua chapter 1 verse 8 it says study this book of instruction continually meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success Let's back up to verse 7. It says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So verse 8 tells us, study this book of instruction continually. What book of instruction? For us, it is the entire Bible right yes. here, okay? The entire Bible. We have this. And he said, study it continually. So just like you said, if it's not something that we are continuing to read and reread and read on a regular basis, you're not, the rest of the stuff doesn't even matter because it says continually and day and night, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. You can't obey it if you don't keep it before you in a continual, consistent, daily fashion. You just won't. I mean... <laughs> How many things in natural life that are not even spiritual will you forget if you don't, if you read it one time just to get your license, for example, you pass an exam one time, but you don't remember anything else in that book because you don't, don't go back to the, the examination book, <laughs> right? Like straight up, like we're not sitting here doing an annual recertification for our own personal knowledge. We do not care. We got our license. We don't have to keep taking that test every time we renew our license. They just take the new picture, update the information and send you on your way. But that's not so with the Lord. We literally have to keep this word all of the time. And it's so broad, but it's repetitive. And we've talked about this throughout this entire year about how repetitive the word of God is. Mm -hmm. He says the same thing through different people in different places and different ways to show you that there's nothing new here. But I'm telling you these things over and over again, and I'm showing you different ways and examples of the same thing so that you will get it but that you will understand that it all goes together but at the end of the day here receive obey period mm. you know um you're only going to make your way prosperous by reading my instructions and meditating on it 
and obeying it, and you'll have good success by reading my word daily, meditating on it daily, and obeying everything in it. So what are your thoughts just on that? Mm. Well, I like how you said that here, receive, obey. And um, I don't know if that was two months ago um, or last month that we talked about that. Um, and so I just want to, I want to prop you up because, you know, that's something that you know, you've been saying, you know, <laughs> almost as long as I've known you, but I mean, it's definitely been a, a theme for you for a, a number of years now in, in our conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time we, we talk about the word, we talk about any topic, it comes back to the simplicity of like, have you heard of God? Are you obeying the word? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was reading this book, even in preparation for today, um, wonderful book it's actually called celebration of discipline and it's i think it's seven disciplines um so it talks about prayer fasting meditation uh just just some simplicity uh some simple things that we do in our faith and meditation was one of them and he said um christian meditation very simply is the ability to hear god's voice and obey his word and that's what you've been saying for the last five years um at least (laughs) uh you know hear receive obey and so he basically said that's what meditation was is hear receive obey and so when i read that that's my sister right there like she's been saying that and it's such a theme that you know sometimes we we hear things and we want to go to you know who are the scholars out there who are the celebrity you know ministers or what Mm -hmm. have you and and we don't even listen to the people that are right in our own backyard that are are sharing the word of god and expounding to us you know the truths of god um and so that's what i appreciate about you but um yeah you know it's that simple it's are we continuing continually reading and and applying um the word of the Lord. And, you know, like, like he says, and, and Joshua meditate on day and night. And, you know, you read all through Psalms and, and David talks about, you know, early in the morning when I seek you and at night, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think about your statutes and your laws and, and we're, we're constantly um, hearing the, these men of faith that are talking about how they communicate and are in constant communion with the Lord. And so um, mm-hmm. again, if we evaluate ourselves, how much time do we spend with God? Um, it's not about how much time are you in church? How much time do you spend right. in the quiet place? You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. you know, church has yeah. its place. And, and, and you know, it's not to say, hey, you got to have a four-hour service to say you made it with God. But mm-hmm. when you leave from that service, whether it's one hour, three hours, whatever the case is, how much of that are you taking with you? Because that's mm-hmm. really where the rubber meets the road is you can't necessarily meditate the first time you hear it. You have to take it, you know what I'm saying? And the meditation mm-hmm. is the receipt and the obedience to that. So um, mm-hmm. hearing is not enough. And we talked about that, you know, if you didn't listen to the episode, grab that one. But hearing is not enough. You know, we all have the capacity to hear. But unless we're translating that to action, that's where the meditation is. Is God, I don't want to forget mm-hmm. your laws. I don't want to sin against you. So let me remember this right. until it becomes <laughs> my habitual practice, my second nature. Right. So, um mm-hmm. You know, how can we obey without thought? Um, because obedience stems from the initial receipt of instruction. It, it's required of us to think about the choices that we make. So we have to be thinking about it. If we're not consciously thinking about it, we can't expect anything to happen. And so if we've decided in our heart that we, we serve God, obedience is now the requirement and the mandate for us. You know, and it's a growing, it's mm-hmm. a growing responsibility for us to serve the Lord through obedience and to meditate on his promises um, as well as his, his rules. Um, so yeah that's kind of what I have on that piece so I'm just going to counter with uh, two back-to-back verses which just kind of um, further fortify what you just said Psalms 1 1 through 3 blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord 
and on his law he meditates day and night. Before I even finish this, every time it says law, let's just switch it back to book of instruction, the mm-hmm. word of God. Yeah. Okay, because that's essentially what he's talking about. Blessed are you for not walking in the counsel of the wicked. But how would you not walk in the counsel of the wicked? How would you know what is the counsel of the wicked? By meditating on the book of instruction continually. Mm. Um, but his delight is in the book of instruction, a.k.a. the law of the Lord. Do you delight in the book of instruction? Do you delight in the word of God? Um, I heard at, at church last week, last Sunday, we're in a series that's talking about what does God know, which he knows everything. But last week in particular, he said that God is is fascinatingly interesting, but more to those who actually study his word. Mm. So the more you study the word, the more you become fascinated by God, the more you become interested in the things of God, which is why I think you and I both love the word because we love God, but we also have been just studious people our entire lives. And the word is how we know him. The word is how we develop our relationship with him. And the more we know him and the more we learn about him, the more it just makes us fall more in love with him. And that's just true of any person that you naturally know. Like the more you get to know them, the more you love them more, right? Like whether it's a romantic love or your children, the more you see them grow uh, as people and develop things or, or, or learn things about them, you just love them in a, a, a different capacity, in a different way, in a different measure. And so I just think that we need to delight in the word of God. Um, too, many, we, too many people have positioned themselves to be anti the word, mm. um, in opposition of what he says. And also because we've been fed outside um, opposition from people who hate God who hate the things of God, who hate the word of God. So they're going to point out the the mean things of God and the bad things that they think, well, if God's such a good God, why? If God's such a good God, this, right? But you're coming at it from a totally different angle. So when you accept him for who he is and then understand his sovereignty and his, his the justice of him and then the grace of him and all these other parts of him, then all of it makes sense. But you have to delight in the entire book of instruction, even when you see fire and brimstone, but then you understand like that's fascinating too. And this is why, you know, because God did love people or God tried to give people a chance or whatever the case was, but you still have to delight in all of it. And um, the rest of it says, he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. That part I wanted to to plug because you're only going to come to maturity by continually meditating in the word. You're not going to come to maturity by not being continual in your meditation and focus on the word. What are your thoughts on that part? (laughs) Yeah. so you, you definitely highlighted the, the word that I wanted to highlight, which is delight. But um, I'm going to take it this way is, you know, my son one time. Um, so we've, we've been going to the church that we're at now for about two years. And I remember, you know, the first year he kind of went through, um, you know, the, the Sunday school hour um, or I'm sorry, through kids church. And they had went through the whole Bible. And so he's like, Daddy, I'm, I'm going to start going to big church because I've already read the whole Bible. And I'm like, yeah. Um, mm. 
bro, you got a whole life of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't one and done. And and I think that sometimes, right. like, we have this mindset. Of course, he's young, right? But, like, I think even as adults, like, we have this mindset of, like, okay, my goal is before I die as a believer, I want to read the Bible in a year. Right? <laughs> you know right. And, like, and right. then we think once that happens, like, almost it's it's almost like how, you know, you we kind of compare it to, like, men when we were dating and then we finally get married. Like, we stop the quest. It's almost like, okay, I've read the Bible mm-hmm. once throughout. Like, I can stop reading it. Yeah. That's not how this works. And I think that exactly. if we're not meditating, um, I would I would just challenge it this way. Like, and even as you were reading the, the scripture, I started highlighting words. Like, I, I think, you know, we, we kind of read. Um, and again, we talked about it before. Like we hear cliche verses or we hear things that are like, man, that sounds great. Like, that would be cool if we put it on our mirror or on a bumper sticker. Like, that's just an awesome verse. But I don't mm-hmm. think we really take that verse and then make it awesome for us, right? So, like, mm-hmm. even just as you're reading, like, just start highlighting, like, verbs and, and mm-hmm. conjunctions. And because that's how you begin to meditate is, okay, like, just like, and you even broke it down, which I think is a great example. So, you, you start to say, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, um, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So, there's a contrast. As you begin to highlight things and as you begin to underline things and circle things, you begin to see how it works, and then you begin mm-hmm. to meditate on in that vein. And that's how you begin to see the practicality of, okay, Lord, this is what you're telling me. You know, mm-hmm. when you say walk in the spirit and I will not fulfill the lust in the flesh, like underline that word walk and then say, okay, how can I walk? It's not just like, okay, I shouldn't walk in the spirit or I shouldn't walk in the flesh. Okay. That's like, we see, we hear it and we process it, but then we don't move on from that point. And so mm-hmm. if we don't delight, we're not going to study. We're not going to engage any further than just, man, that sounded right. great. And then we just move on from there. So that's kind of what, what it really took me to is, is kind of helping the listeners to, to see like, how do I now read the word in context of meditation? It's not just, mm-hmm. Hey, I read a, a, a chapter today. Thank God. Like I, I, I was able to sit down for a few moments and, and just read. But if you're not reading with the, the sole intent of, God, I want to extract something from here and then now take this and apply mm-hmm. this, then it was all really for nothing because it just then becomes another book that you just read for leisure. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I was beginning to grab from this. Yeah. Um, even with what you were saying about my nephew, <laughs> my next verse kind of goes with that because in Deuteronomy chapter six, um, it says, and um, these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Another way of just saying meditate on it day and night, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and then verse 25, it says, and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So it, it is just reminding you and saying it in another way and in another place that the words, the book of instruction, the word of God should continually be in your heart at all times. You shall teach them to your kids. You should talk about it all day long or throughout the day. Um, I remember being in certain people's homes, um, especially old school women, where they would leave their radios on and it would be Christian music playing the entire day. Mm. Um, I still know a friend of mine's mom that does that. When you go to their house, her his mom um, has Christian music playing all the time it's just on the radio all the time um some people leave it on the the christian tv channel and that's just all you're going to hear all day if they're not physically saying it to you it's in the atmosphere you're getting the word of god um and then again just you know you don't have to have necessarily a bible study or sunday school lesson every single day but there should be 
ways that you are imparting uh, the word with your children, um, and they should know that it's from you. Funny thing is, my daughter is in college right now, and I, I mean, I've had her in church my whole life, so she has always been raised around uh, the word, and she's loved the church experience as a child. Um, coming up as an adult now, you know, she's 20. Um, she has a whole different, you know, adult relationship with the Lord now. But she has, um, she goes to a Christian-based college. So sometimes they have homework that, you know, requires them to use the Bible um, to reference their assignments or their answers or whatever. And she had asked me for a verse that she remembered that she had paraphrased herself, but she couldn't remember what the actual Bible had said. So I just thought it was interesting because it's not a verse that is common, but it just is a, a verse that you would know being continually exposed to the word of God. Mm -hmm. So she went and reached out to three or four, a handful of people that we knew to ask them if they knew this verse. And she tried to tell them like, this is what it says, but I mean, this isn't the exact word, but this is what I'm paraphrasing that it says. They couldn't think of what it was. She called me at work and I told her, I was like, oh yeah, that's in Jude. And immediately I knew what she was talking about. But the point is she was taught the word so that seed was in there. So she still knew that because I talk about the word all the time. So again, you just find ways. If, if it has to be the, the wall vinyls, wall art, whatever it is to remind it and to, to put those things before your kids. And another way that, that we meditate is by what are we doing? Um, is our television, you know, programs, things that are edifying? Um, are the things that we are indulging in for ourselves that we just feed ourselves and maybe not everybody else can hear, you know, social media, what are you indulging in there in news and current events? What are you indulging in there? When you are talking, are you indulging in gossip and drama, stress, worry, work, all of those things come out of you. Whatever you meditate on comes out of you. So if you're constantly talking about the Lord, it's because you're always meditating on the Lord, which is why it's so interesting when you and I talk, we're always talking about God because we're always feeding ourselves God. Um, we don't have a lot of other things that are like kind of these things I talked about, like news and current events, okay, maybe here and there, TV, mm, work, every now and then something's going on, we can talk about work. Gossip and drama, for sure, not part of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Stresses and worries. Stresses and worries, if they come up at all, it's still under the context of, okay, this is what we're giving to the Lord, yes. but we are not carrying that as like a burden of life. So all of this stuff, the Bible addresses. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of, again, I have kind of the, these scriptures in front of me, so I'm circling and highlighting and all that. So um, between Psalms 1 and the Deuteronomy 6, um, you know, one says on his law, he meditates day and night. And then the other one says when mm -hmm. you lie down and when you rise. So the thing mm -hmm. that, that stuck out to me is, you know, as we were talking about the examples of our kids is, you know, you don't graduate from this. Right. So because we're talking mm -hmm. about it being a continual, a continual instruction those two things will never cease right day and night will always pass and lying right. down and right like we'll always sleep and wake up <laughs> right mm -hmm. so that says that if time never ceases neither should our instruction because we should mm -hmm. always if we're always doing those things and that's when we're instructed to do them that means that every time there's a day every time there's a night are we thinking about the lord <laughs> so Amen. Um, that that's what that's what kind of struck out to me is that how often are we thinking about god um 
are we really giving our attention to God? You know, um, mm-hmm. I think that um, if we consider meditation some sort of intense focus, um, what do we give our attention to? And, you, you know, you're mentioning TV mm-hmm. and, and all these type of things. Like I, as much as I love sports and, and all those things, I will surrender those things for an opportunity to speak about the Lord. Right. Um, Absolutely. And so that's the thing. And, and not to say that, you know, we can't have those moments because, uh, you know, I know you're a Warriors fan. And so, you know, occasion we'll talk about, you know, <laughs> basketball, it's usually during the finals week. So, you know, that means the other 51 weeks we ain't really talking about it. Right. <laughs> but, um, right. but, but that, I think that's just the mindset is, is it's not to say that you're, you're crucifying every other thing, but if the Lord is our priority, then that means that he, he has to get number one, our first. But then yeah. secondly, that means that that should be the majority of our attention. Not to say that we mm-hmm. can't do other things. Obviously, we have jobs, right, in which we're in the secular arena and we have friends and we mm-hmm. have things that aren't necessarily considered spiritual. But we have a responsibility to be spiritual in those moments. Right. So right. we can't accomplish the the mission of God if we don't have God. Right. And so if God is not our mission, mm-hmm. then that means that we are not truly on mission throughout our life. And so. um that's really just just sticks out to me. You know, um, you always hear this cliche that the devil is in the details. Um, and mm-hmm. so um, what is hindering you from having a deeper relationship with God? Because I think that um, and we're actually going through this study um, right now through the men of the church called um, Respectable Sins. And I think that we have to begin to realize that there are things that creep into our life that we don't necessarily crucify or give to the Lord because they've been deemed culturally acceptable, um, whether it be. I think you mentioned gossip, um, you know, worry, um, grumbling and complaining, like things that wouldn't necessarily be considered sin to the naked eye um, Mm -hmm. actually could be hindering our relationship with the Lord because we're not willing to give those things to God. Right. And so um, Mm -hmm. the more that we are reading the word, um, those things will come up because those are obviously things that are in the Bible because, you know, second Peter talks about, he gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So anything that would be considered sin, we should be able to find that in the word as something that God is is Mm -hmm. opposed to. So, um, the more that we're in and beyond those cliche verses, we begin to see, okay, what is the character of God? What is he requiring of me? And how do I then begin to live that out in my life? So we're not going to know that if we're not spending time in the word of God. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, yeah. So even like what you're talking about, as far as um, sin, what teaches us what is right and wrong, you know, no matter what society, the culture people that you know and like, respect, um, approve, or decide all of a sudden is no longer sin, even though God has established what is sin and what what is not, period. Okay, so whatever his standard is, he is God that does not change. There is no point in time that he has reversed and says, hey, you remember when I said that you shouldn't commit adultery? Um, It's all good now. (laughs) You know, I don't have a problem. Like, he... (laughs) He has never changed his mind about what he said is not right. When he, from the beginning, you know, um, said that the imaginations of man was wicked continually, that literally was that their meditations, their thoughts of their heart, everything that they thought about all the time was evil. And not only was it evil, it caused them to act evilly because they acted out what they thought. So not just their imagination was evil. They carried out the actions of their imagination, and that's why he had such great wrath for the people in those earlier days. And we have not exactly changed that much from those days. He just promised that he's not going to destroy us and the earth the way that he did those times. However, destruction still comes for those who do not repent and turn from those ways 
if they don't regenerate their minds and give their lives to God. Um, so bringing me to Matthew 15, 17, it says, Do you not understand that whatever goes in the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So society will sit here and tell you, let's just make this really basic. You didn't wash your hands. That's nasty. You're disgusting. This and that. Okay. But he's saying you're not defiled because you didn't wash your hands. Mm -hmm. You're defiled because of what's inside of you that has come out. Mm -hmm. And the things that come out of you came from your heart. And this is what has defiled you. Again, the first thing he said was evil thoughts because of what you meditated upon. You meditated about lust. You meditated about um, your hatred for a, a person that caused you to commit murder or caused you to commit adultery, caused you to fornicate, caused you to steal something that, someone, that belonged to someone else, that caused you to lie and caused you to talk negatively about people. So these are what defiles you, not because you chose not to wash your hands. Not because you chose not to take a shower, okay? Not because your hygiene is not together. You're not defiled. I don't care about that. I care about the inner part of you. And so back to what you said, when you're meditating upon the word and the instruction of God, what he says, you begin to learn, if you did not already know that, what his standards are, what he has said is true, regardless of what laws change tomorrow, next week, what they overturn, what they now say is culturally and worldly acceptable. God still didn't change his mind, regardless of what rules, rules, laws pass, rules hmm. pass, governors pass. It doesn't matter. God still stays the same. Yeah. So <laughs> Psalm 119, 9 through 11, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> passage. Um I think speaks so uh, poignantly to what you just said. So um, it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed there, thereto according to your word. So that's, that's verse nine. The verse 10, a lot of people skip over and they just kind of use nine and 11. Um, but th this is beautiful. So verse 10 says with my whole heart, so I mean, all of it, have I sought mm -hmm. thee? Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. So he's basically saying that his heart is drawn to the commandments of God. Then verse 11 mm -hmm. says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So yeah. if you take verse 10, that talks about the complete heart, which means you're, you're not giving God 99 and a half, 75% mm -hmm. and, and wanting mm -hmm. to keep these things over here. You're basically saying, I'm giving you my whole heart and you're saying, I'm seeking you. Then verse 11, it says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you're seeking God with your whole heart and then you're with your whole heart. Then in verse 11, what are you putting in there? The word of God, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so Amen. if you're saying, God, I'm giving you everything, then that means the way I'm giving you everything and the way for me to stop from doing these things that you said in Matthew 15 is by hiding my word, hiding your word in my heart. So mm -hmm. there's a correlation between purity and the word of God, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So right. I, I think that, and, and again, we know that people don't really pray a lot um, and people don't read the word a lot, which are two, I think, necessary disciplines for true faith and true sanctification. Like if we're really going to walk this thing out, what better way if you're not talking to God and you're not reading the things that tell you about uh -huh. God, <laughs> like where, right. how far you really expect to go if you're not really doing those two things. And so uh -huh. 
I think it really verse 10, we need to really insert that back into this thing. And we say, you know, I, I hide your word in my heart. Yes. But are you giving your whole heart to God? Because yeah. there, there's a, a very easy way to say, yes, okay, I read the word. But if you're not hiding it, if you're not willing to give him all, then there's a way for you to really just kind of have a closet full of sin mm-hmm. that you're not willing to surrender because you haven't given him your whole heart. So if we're going to mm-hmm. really exercise this thing and walk this thing out, we have to be willing to be convicted in our, in our souls when we encounter these truths like this. Um, and, and, and God in his spirit is, is sovereign and he'll let you know when, when there's something that shouldn't be there. You know, he, again, mm-hmm. Hebrews 412, you know, his word is alive yeah. and active. So if there's something that don't need to be there, he's going to let you know about it. And at that point you have a well. conscious decision. Okay, Lord, what am I thinking about? You know, Philippians four, think on these things. I'm not living right right now. I'm going to focus mm-hmm. my mind on you. And we have a decision every day of our lives. Again, until it becomes second nature, mm-hmm. these are the things we have to think about. We know that we're, we're human. Like we're always going to have a flesh that's sinful. But are we willing to approach that flesh and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do because I cannot walk pure without the spirit of God and without his word living in me. So. <laughs> that That is really good. Um, I'm just going to add, since you put, brought that one back up, Hebrews 12, which says looking away from all that will distract us and mm. focus focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author, author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, verse 3, just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider that in comparison with all your trials, mm. that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So you have to be willing to look away from, it said, all that will distract us and focus our eyes on Jesus. Um, you know, there's really no excuse because you're, you're literally sitting here saying like, you know, we don't pray, we don't read the word. And there is no excuse in the modern era for us to not get the word. Not, I mean, we have, we've had Bibles, we have actual things that we can hold and read, but they made it to where it can be on your phone. Like the Bible app, numerous Bible apps, mm-hmm. they've made it to where you can have audio versions now. So whether it's literally on your phone or CDs, um, they've made it to where now you have um, things you can watch on TV that are literally the, the Bible being read or, or other uh, shows or stories of the actual Bible. So there's no excuse for you not to receive the word mm-hmm. in some form or fashion, but yet we still find ourselves shunning it, not wanting it. And I just like to to always compare capacities because your capacity shows that you're able, but willingness has to be attached to what you're able to do. Mm. And so we're able to read when we want to. We're able to read because those of you who, like I said earlier, when we meditate on social media or the news or current events, you will on your phone or on any other form of handheld media, um, scroll turn pages to read the news or to read through social media or swipe through and scroll. And you'll do that for hours on end, hours on end, and not care nothing about how much time has passed. You'll keep picking it up and you'll pick up where you left off throughout your day and not care nothing about it. Mm -hmm. But when we say, let's add the Lord into the mix, I don't want to read no devotional. I don't want to read a full chapter. I'm just going to read a verse if I read that. And we're just going to read it at, at face value. We're not going to meditate on it. I read my verse today and we're done. The, the verse of the day, I get the verse of the day sent to my, my phone and that's it. That's my duty for the day. Mm. Ma'am and sir, 
no. <laughs> okay. So you have the capacity to do a lot of these things already. You're just not directing your energy towards the things of God. And the, the only way to become pure, like what you're saying, is to direct those energies to the things of God so that we can basically replace, right? I've talked about it numerous times, um, maybe a couple times on, on this um, platform, but numerous times that when we go from the world to Christ, like we, there are certain things that we still want to have that we're not giving up fully, but we just have to find godly replacements for it. Mm-hmm. So like if you are a music head and you love music, you just know you can't be listening to all that cursing and other type of stuff that they were talking about. Well, guess what? Let's find a clean alternative that is godly that we are now acceptable, you know, and able to listen to and get that purges the junk. Yeah. So we have to find other things that, you know, God is just awesome. But we have to, it's just like when you're replacing things in your diet, like, look, my diet is off the hook. I can't be eating this type of stuff. That healthy stuff isn't really always, you know, flavorful. Make it flavorful. Retrain your taste buds. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you got to do, you have to do what you have to do if you want to be healthier. Do you just want to die because you just want to indulge and die before your time? If that's a choice you make, then that's the choice you make. You said conscious decision. If you choose that path, well, you made a conscious decision to continue on that path and be off the hook and stay off the hook. But if you want to add to your quality of life, you make the conscious decision to be like, look, this might not be good all the time. And maybe when I started out, I didn't like it all like that. But after a, a consistent, continual uh, devotion to this lifestyle, you now begin to enjoy it. And then mm. you can say, I delight in this. And now I like this. Like you were talking about with the whole, um, when we had the, t- the one about tasting and, and trial, wasn't it? Um, trial period, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We talked about that. So that's what this is about. Um, I'll add the next point, which is first Timothy chapter four. This is Paul and he's talking to Timothy and he says, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself, concentrate on your personal development, keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers, so those who hear you. So even though he's talking to Timothy as a minister, this still applies to all of us because I know that we talked in one of our previous earlier episodes this year that all of us are ministers um, Mm -hmm. as stewards of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Like, we're all ministers. Without a title, with a title, we're all ministers. And so... He's saying, give attendance to reading. This still applies to you, brother, sister in the Lord, whoever you may be. Um, And to doctrine, practice the things that you're hearing. Practice the things that you're learning. You're receiving them so that you can obey them. Immerse yourself in them. So what does that mean? Meditate on it continually so that all may see your progress. That's how people will know that the word is taking um, your fruit, that's basically what your fruit is, a manifestation of what you have heard, received, and obeyed. That is the fruit that shows, okay? Then it says, pay close attention to yourself and concentrate on your personal development. By paying close attention to yourself, you will know where you are. That's why we always talk about assessing yourself, reflecting on yourself and seeing where you are. The Word of God is for that, to see where you fall when you hear it. 
Um, are you on the right side of what is being spoken about? If you are, praise the Lord. Um, if you're not, don't get mad. Don't feel hurt or um, offended because you're convicted. That is a blessing uh, because, like you said, the word is alive. It's living and it's active. And because it's alive, it sometimes comes down your street and steps on your toe and says, hey, little neighbor, <laughs> get yourself together right here. Okay. Um, so focus on yourself being developed. And when you do this, if you are consistent in it, you will not only save yourself, but those who listen to you because people will follow you based off of what you embody. What are your thoughts on that? So much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't um, wait to hear it. <laughs> man, uh, I would love to go back and just do um, a study just on Hebrews 12. <laughs> because mm -hmm. what was going on right 2022. there. Yeah, uh, was so much, uh, and I was just trying to just circle and highlight, and just every time you kept saying a different sentence, like my mind went to a different thing, and I'm like, man, let me just try to just encapsulate this uh, in summary. But um, bottom line is, Christ is our example, and mm -hmm. it says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. So we're looking at Jesus. Why? Because he's our example, number one, but then two, because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. So mm -hmm. that word that really stuck out to me was perfecter. And I know another version says finisher. So in, mm -hmm. in other words, he created our faith. He will finish our faith, which means he'll bring it to completion. Mm -hmm. So that's right. what I love about the perfecter piece is that we have to think about the fact that we should be refining that faith. Um, it's not yeah. enough to just say we have faith, but we need to sanctify that faith. So what I loved about that is that... If we, if our example is Christ, everything that he went through is being listed here. So he mm -hmm. disregarded the shame, right? Uh, mm -hmm. He endured from sinners such bitter hostility. Uh, mm -hmm. That is the worst thing that could happen to you, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. it says, consider this all in comparison with my own trials. So That's right. if I ain't acting like Christ, when he did, when that happened to him, like what can I go through on earth? that can compare to that and yet my response to bitter hostility is bitterness <laughs> you know I mean? yeah like, so yeah so the thing that that stuck out to me um as you were talking even further is a tree so i think you were talking about fruit and mm -hmm. so our faith let's just say our faith is the root because we have faith so that's the 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 creation of our faith is the the tree now you start to bear fruit as we grow in christ and as we begin to exhibit the qualities of christ we begin to bear fruit Mm -hmm. How is it that that tree now has good fruit and bad fruit? So let me explain that. So when you have good fruit, we tend to show that good fruit when things are going well. But then we have bad fruit when things are going bad. So that fruit can't change. You can't say, well, because it's Monday, I want to have an orange tree. But when it's Thursday, I want to have an apple tree. Like that's not the way fruit mm -hmm. works, right? <laughs> because fruit is created by the tree and the roots that were and the seeds that were planted. So if yeah. you're planting Christ and faith and the word, and that's what you're hiding in your heart, if you're not bearing the fruit that you want to see, two things you have to ask yourself. One, do I have Christ? <laughs> and two, if I'm not bearing that fruit, what needs to be purged so that I don't continue to bear the wrong fruit? Because yeah. you're planting seeds in other directions that you're basically trying to, because again, going back to Psalm 119, if you're not giving God your whole heart, that means you're planting two different seeds. 
So you're saying, God, mm -hmm. with the 60% that I'm giving you, I'm planting the seed of faith. But then the other 40%, if I'm giving it back to the world, because these are things that frustrate me and this is how I want to respond and all of this. Then when you start seeing fruits over here, you either need to kill that root and give that, yeah. give God that 40% or else you're, you're, you're going to come down to James three, where it says out of the same mouth cannot proceed blessing and cursing. Right. So right. that's really what, all, I mean, there, there's so many directions that we could take this, but that really was what was mm -hmm. going down to me is that we're bearing fruit that does not bear the example of Christ, but we're not willing to discard it. We're just willing to continue to, to just shape and give God a majority, but not, not in fullness. And, and that's really mm -hmm. where meditation comes in is if we say, God, I'm going to seek you with my whole heart. That means that God, as I draw closer to you, you hate sin, which means I have to begin to hate sin. If I don't hate sin That's the way that right. you do, there's a problem. <laughs> and that yeah. means that more than likely you're, you're going to stay away from God because God will not let you get close to him in that intimate state and not reveal your sin to you and you not do something mm -hmm. about that. So as we draw closer mm -hmm. to God and we're meditating, what is that doing for our own spiritual well-being? That has to bring us to a point where it's like God wants more of me, which means I have to be less of myself. And that's the mm -hmm. sanctification process. So there was just so much there that I was like, man, I would love to just camp right there. <laughs> but we kind of mm -hmm. same today. But man, oh I mean, God. that that passage right there. There's just so much there. That is that's really good because even with what you're saying about the trees and the fruit, you know, I was even reading in this past week in my own devotional time, um, Matthew chapter twelve where it says either make the tree good and its fruit good or mm -hmm. either make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt because the tree yes. is known by its fruit. So it's going to be one or the other. And then after that, two verses down, he says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So basically, what are you treasuring? You know, um, what are you putting in the storehouse of the treasury of your heart? And, only what you're putting in is going to come out. I mean, you can't be both. So at the end of the day, you can't claim you're a good tree when evil is coming out. It's just that it just doesn't work like that. So it's all about what you're putting in. It really is. And, and what you put in is connected to your roots, hmm. which brings me to Philippians four and eight. Finally, yeah. <laughs> believers, <laughs> whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute or good report, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually or meditate on these things, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. So that's how you can get good thoughts, you know, that's how you can you're always going to have the enemy sending arrows, darts, flames, trying to introduce ideas and thoughts your way. Some of those things are inevitable. You cannot stop the attempts at coming, but you can prevent what you choose to dwell on and what you allow to come in. So when you see it, when you feel it, when you recognize it, when you capture it, um, it even talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says that we are supposed to uh, take every thought captive. It says from three down to five, and I've always loved that section. It, uh, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're yeah. mighty through God, pulling down those strongholds, right? And so it literally says that we are to uh, essentially arrest, right, those thoughts and make them, bring them into the obedience of the Lord. Everything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God. 
every thought that once exalt itself to rise up what you know against God. So for believers, he's talking to us, whatever is true. So that's how you can kind of go through this as a checklist and be like, is this thought true? If it's not, reject it. Is this thought honorable and worthy of respect? If it's not, reject it. Is this thought right and confirmed by God's word? If it's not, purge it. Mm-hmm. Whatever is pure and wholesome. If it's impure, if it's not wholesome, if it is vulgar, if it is X-rated, if it's R-rated, get rid of it. Whatever is lovely. If it's not lovely, if it doesn't bring peace, get rid of it. It's not welcome here. Don't let thoughts make you feel like it has to be, like, don't let the welcome mat be out to thoughts that will cause you to not have peace. Yeah. I have felt that in so many years of my life back in the day where we felt like we were, like, held captive to basically the enemy and any of his henchmen that were human that made us feel all of the opposite of what I'm reading right now. And as you learn the word of God, you see that you're not a hostage. You are not um, powerless to this. The word of God is your sword in the spirit. The word of God is your weapon. That's why he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty because the word is powerful. And whatever is admirable and good report, if there's anything excellent, think on those things. Why is it that we choose to think on all the negative, trash, vulgar, everything that's put before us as if we're just victims of whatever is brought our way, whether it's through subliminal society messages, commercials, infomercials, on radio, on TV, on billboards, conversations in our atmosphere. We're not victims. We don't have to be held hostage to that. We can shut that stuff down. We can have our own little bubble going on, really and truly. So it's really on us to be more vigilant about what we're allowing in. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, um, definitely my companion passage to Philippians 4, because um, I, I like to use these in conjunction with one another, and they talk about kind of the same things. Um, you know, Philippians 4 is obviously talking about, you know, thinking on these things. And it, at the beginning of that, it says, you know, be anxious for nothing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Matthew 6, um, obviously another passage that talks about, you know, be anxious for nothing. But um, what I love about that passage um, in connection to what you're talking about is it has to do with our thoughts. And because it has to do with our thoughts, that means that it has to do with our view or perspective of something, specifically our perspective of God. Um, So, and I I won't read it, but in summary, because I think we all kind of know it, you know, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, you know, there's a certain, a couple of passages that we peel from that, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, like everybody knows that, right? right? But if you go ahead of that in verse 25, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, mm-hmm. what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So we're being anxious about the natural state of life. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, do not be anxious about these things. Three times he actually tells us to take no thought in verse 25, verse 31 and verse 34. Like, what good is it for us to think about those things? Um, It says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Uh, God knows what we have need of. So what good is it for us to think about these things? Because it says that we cannot add more to our life by thinking about those things. Um, So if we're thinking about those and it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. So 
thinking heavily of our situation means that we're thinking hardly of God. And thinking highly or more than adequately of our circumstances means that we're thinking lowly of the creator. So if he says that these things are not much better than us, that means that we should have a confidence that God will take care of those things. So again, he gives us the promise, which everyone wants to quote in Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So if we understand Mm -hmm. the promise of God, then that should give us the peace of God that we yes. shouldn't be thinking about these things if we're so focused on, okay, God, like, man, well, what am I going to wear tomorrow? And, what, and, and, and that seems so, like, superficial, but that's the reality of our lives is that we're always worrying about something. We're always anxious. That means that we don't trust God enough to, to surrender these things. I, I think you were talking about earlier when we talked that we present our problems, but we come in faith and we say, okay, like, we're going to now allow the promises of God to rest on that and we give our burdens to the Lord so that we can have that peace. So we're not just, Hey man, like, Oh, life is just horrible. I mean, we're, we're not resting in that. And and I think we as mm-hmm. a society, even in the church, spend too much time focusing on things that, that weigh us down when we've already been given the hope and the end. Like again, God is the author and finisher of our faith. And we know the end of the story, mm-hmm. which is God is the victor. So if we know that and he has given us promises why do we think so highly on things that actually have no one, no eternal value and B won't stay there when we surrender those things to God. And we know that God is willing to, to help us in those things. Um, just one final thing. And it actually is in the same chapter, uh, Matthew six, where it's talking about um, the Lord's prayer. And it says, you know, give us this day, our daily bread. Um, God actually desires for us to pray for provision and to pray for those things yeah. that are necessary and important to our lives, but we're not to be anxious for that. So it comes down to this is if we're willing to pray to God about something, that means that we have to be confident and faithful to the fact that if we're going to give it to him, that he actually is going to actually answer and that we should mm-hmm. respect, we should expect a proper response to that. Like, why do we pray to a God that we know has all the answers and has all Mm-hmm. power and authority in this hand but then yet we're just praying because we think that's what we're supposed to do like we don't pray in faith we just pray because we think that's what's supposed to happen so mm-hmm. if we're not praying in faith don't even open your mouth because you're basically praying in doubt and we already know what james says about that a double-minded that's man is right. unstable in all his ways so don't even pray <laughs> like don't even waste god's time because you're you're mm-hmm. lord I, I i please help me in this situation but we don't really think he's going to help well then that was a waste of time, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's really where these things boil down to is that we have a low view of God when we don't trust him, when we don't meditate on his promises, but when we focus on the things that are natural and temporal and have no power or effect in actually fixing our situation the way that Christ can. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where my mind was was, was shifting when you were, you were talking about that. Wow. Well, um, just in summary, um, can you just give us uh, three little nuggets about why we should meditate, and then I'll move into our, our application. Final thought? Yeah, uh, they all start with R. Um, so uh, just kind of as a, as a helpful um, memory piece. Um, not that it's exhaustive, but I think these are definitely three things that will kind of help us and, and hopefully encourage us uh, to meditate for those of us who don't or don't do it well. Um, is the first one is we remember the goodness of God. Um, Psalm 103, one of my favorite passages when it comes to remembering um, the goodness of God is, um, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me um, and forget not all his benefits. Like there's so many things that God has done for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
if we can go back to that, like you said earlier, like God doesn't change. So if we know that God doesn't change, that means that God is always going to be good. <laughs> you know so us remembering the goodness of God should help stir our hearts to the fact that he's going to be good again. Um, and so that's why we remember those things. It says, so that our strength will be renewed like the eagles. Um, so if we, um, if we understand that peace, like he wants us to be restored. He wants us to maintain our joy. And so as we remember and reflect on God's goodness, it should then spark in us uh, this beauty of God. Like, I know I'm going through something like we, we look at the, the sufferers and, and Thessalonians and, and, you know, these churches of, of old, um, but yet they had a joy and a zeal about them because they knew that God was there and God was for them. So um, as we remember the goodness of God, I think that it should bring about us a joy and a confidence that um, God is always going to be who he says he is. Um, uh, secondly, just responding to the father, um, Psalm 63, uh, verse one says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Um, we crave God, um, because we, and you said the word delight because we delight in God. Um, uh, when we meditate, we get to respond back to him. We get to, to, uh, declare his truth back to him. We get to, um, commune with him in that intimate way, um, in meditation, as opposed to just reading the word and moving forward. If we're not thinking about what we're reading, then we're not thinking about God because we're actually th mm -hmm. reading the very breath of God. We're reading the very attributes of God, the very character of God. So if that's what we're reading and we're learning about him, we have to meditate on that. Otherwise we're not really going to receive what we need from it. Um, and again, it just becomes another book if we, if we do that. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, uh, receive the implanted word. Um, when we meditate, we get to receive the word of God. Uh, and I love how James one twenty one says, it says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. So by meditating, we actually get to receive the word of God, not just read it, but we get to receive it and obey it. Um, and just real quick, Psalm 119 for meditation sake, um, one of the greatest passages to read. I know you wrote a book on Psalm 119 and it's, it's lovely. Um, <laughs> But Psalm 119, I think, um, and you could probably speak to this after I close, um, is such a grand passage because, um, and I just pulled out a little bit, uh, <laughs> but the whole point of it is meditation. And I actually started going through Psalm 119 uh, with my kids. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing right now as a devotion. But uh, we're just reading one little chunk, um, each letter of the alphabet, but we're just kind of reading um, daily. Mm -hmm. um, and as we're going through it, there's at least one verse that speaks to meditation it speaks to soaking mm -hmm. the word up and and, and um, applying the word to our lives and so um, i just pulled out one two three four five six seven eight nine ten from that um and there's 176 verses so there's a ton um but just as we're kind of going through these it, it's it's cool to see this um verse 11 i have stored up your word in my heart that i might not sin against you verse 15 i will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways there's always yeah. an and um to <laughs> the word and meditation. So it's not just, I read and that was great. Like, and I'm yeah. done. It's, I read right. and I meditated. I did this and mm -hmm. I meditated. I praised you and I meditated. And that was just the Come beauty. On. So, um, verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. So mm -hmm. we're asking God to help us understand the word and then we're going to meditate on it. So mm -hmm. if you're reading the word, if you're, it means you're hearing it. Now you're going to receive it. And the only way for you to be obedient to that is by allowing the spirit to penetrate by you saying, God, I want to give myself to you to let you fill me. Let me decrease as you increase. 
that's not going to happen unless we're spending communion with God and we're saying, God, I, I desire this. I delight in you uh, because I want more of you. I'm going to do such and such. Um, mm-hmm. Verse 48, I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Um, verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Um, verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. Um, and then lastly, mm-hmm. uh, verse 148, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Um, so again, it just comes back to this all the time, continual um always recognizing that apart from Christ, apart from the word, we're prone to wander. Um, we're, mm-hmm. we're prone to, to walk away and because we're, we're, we're flesh, right? What did Paul say in, in Romans seven, that, that which I don't want to do that I do. Um, the only way that we're going to, to stay in God's word, to stay sharp is, or I'm sorry, the only way that we're going to stay from sin and, and defeat sin is by staying in God's word, by continually mm-hmm. to say, God, I need you, God, I, I, I need to know your laws. And, that's how we're able to to breathe it out to let that be our second nature that that's what we combat sin with you know what how did how did Jesus defeat the enemy quote of scripture right mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have nothing else like you said other than the sword of the spirit which is the word of God so we can't mm-hmm. fight sin with our lofty thoughts or you know what we think are our, our talents and abilities we can't defeat sin with with our flesh we can only right. defeat sin with the power of the spirit and that's mm-hmm. nothing of our own self. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that we, we, if we can just reflect on God's goodness, if we can, um, just be reminded that God is so good that he's, he's done so much for us. That gives us the hope that when we encounter those, those times of suffering, that we can still smile and be encouraged and put our hope in that because that's where, that's where it rests. We're not going to ever walk through life. I was sharing this with, with my wife the other day, like, Life will never be easy. There's always going to be a hardship, a trouble, uh, a frustration, something. I mean, that's inevitable. Life is is, is going to, to um, have its weaknesses and, and its difficulties. That doesn't mean that those are the times we get to be unholy. Those are the times where, because we are holy, that we get to have a different perspective about that. And that's where we get to look at God and say, God, because you are who you are, I'm going to rest in what I know of you and, and not rely on my own thinking, my own fleshly um, mindsets and perspectives. So, um, a lot can be said, but ultimately I think, you know, if we have a high view of God, we'll have a low view of our circumstances. Wow. That was so rich. And I just appreciate you so much just for, um, what, what God gives you and just how you tap in. I just love your, your thought process and just how you articulate those things. So I just want to appreciate you for that. Praise God. Um, I also want to kind of just say, um, in line with what you just said, with life never being easy, you know, God never promised any of us through the word that life would be easy. And as a matter of fact, he actually guaranteed us that we would have tribulation in this life. We would go through trials. We would go through suffering. Um, But he told us that we should be of good cheer. We should um, know that he has already overcome the world and that greater is he in us than he that's in the world. But I just want us to kind of think, too, of the fact that anyone that we read in the Bible, show me someone who had an easy life Mm. from beginning to the end. Find one of them and let me know, because the, the people who are our biblical heroes, they show us, they are our examples of how focusing on God, his word and his promises can get you through those challenges, those trials, those persecutions, those depressions, those hard times. 
um, not they were not exempt, and a lot of them were were close friends of God. Um, a lot of them were great leaders, great men and women. They were amazing individuals, but they did not have an easy time. And just because they made it into the biblical hall of fame, does not mean that they they were any different than you or myself. The difference is how they chose to cling to His word, and just showing you the resolve of what is capable, what is possible when you set your mind and you fix your mind to just be steadfast to the Lord no matter what. And it's just encouraging. It's encouraging to see the the encouragement that he sent to them, that, that he spoke, spoke over them, that he gave them as instruction um, to fortify them in their obedience before they would obey and before they would go forth. Um that's the same things that we can claim for ourselves as we go day by day as well. So just in my kind of closing thoughts and application for us, I want us just to kind of um, understand that when we talked about in the beginning about what are we focused on, we're coming full circle. And at the end of the day, we need to redirect our focus when we see that our thoughts are not the thoughts that we should be having. When we're not meditating on the things, when we hear this, when we see even after uh, this is done, as you go through your days and you hear the word, whether it's at church or just on your own time in other ways, when you are encountered by the word of God and you begin to see yourself in daily life, what are you meditating on? When you see that it's not pure, when you see that it's the total opposite of what we read in Philippians 4 or anything else that we read throughout the scriptures, today, um, redirect that focus. If you find yourself focusing on things in a way that is not healthy or not edifying or not pleasing to God, redirect your focus. You are the traffic police in this spiritual situation, and you are the one that gets to say, look, um, I am going to destroy every argument that is coming against the knowledge of God. I'm going to destroy my own lofty opinions that are being raised against the knowledge of God. I am going to take every thought captive. I'm going to hold myself under arrest. And every thought that is not obeying God right now, I'm going to make it submit to the word of God. I'm going to make it submit to the truth. So um, the application is just simply this. Uh, discipline your mind by diligent decision-making. You know, um, you spoke in the beginning about um, having conscious thoughts, having making conscious decisions to think or consider certain things. And we have to make conscious thoughts that instead of grabbing the phone to scroll on our lunch break, we're going to grab the word of God. So if you are, if you have two buttons on your home screen and one says social media and the other one says the Bible app, that conscious decision is you choosing the Bible app at that moment instead of choosing to scroll. Um, it could be what you're listening to in the car. It could be what you choose to watch on the television. It could be conversations that you choose to have or not have. But those are the types of conscious decisions that we're going to have to do. And like you said earlier, examining your time. A lot of times when we first hear type things like this, we start thinking about time commitments. And so you already think you don't have time for this, you don't have time for that. I'm going to tell you right now, just as a superficial thing, that we always have time for God because God is not bound by time, number one. And though we are the things that we find important, we center our life around the things that we find important. So when you begin to set out time or carve out time for um, intentional meditation, intentional um, focusing on the Lord and the things of God, 
it will become habit the more that you continue and persist in those things. But the time audit would just be like looking at what you already do right now and seeing what are those things you really can't afford to not do. So if you're binging and you feel like you are dedicated to that TV because football season is back on, NBA season is back on, uh, your favorite shows are back on, just sacrifice one of those things and say, you know what, instead of watching this, I'm going to spend time with the Lord today in this way, shape, or form. Um, and, again, the more you do it, the more it will become part of the fabric of who you are and that second nature. So did you have any final thoughts that you wanted to add before we close out in prayer? Uh, yeah, just to that last piece about, um, you know, you said that we don't have time for something. Um I don't even think that's a, a phrase that we can actually um, truthfully say. Um, Come on. So we have to then parse what it actually means. So we don't have time equals we don't prioritize it. Because mm-hmm. if we ever say, I don't have time for something, but then if I ask you to make time for something that's extremely important, you would find the time to, like you said, either sacrifice something or discard something to make something else happen. So it's never Mm -hmm. that you don't have enough time because if it's, if it's something that's either mandated to happen or that you have a responsibility to make it happen, you'll find time to do it because we all have the same amount Mm -hmm. of time in our day. So if I ask you to do something, it's never that you don't have time. It's just that it's not something that's important to you. So you won't make the time to do it. So exactly. um, I, I, just to encourage the listener to, to not get too caught up on saying that um, mm-hmm. because you have to know what it is that you're saying when you say that. Um, and then just secondly, um, what's the other piece I was going to say? It's not having time, but then also uh, not saying that you're too busy for something. Um, right. Because when you say that you, being busy is not something that's, should be a badge of honor and so to fill your day with so much idleness if you will mm-hmm. um busyness of, is not of god in my opinion and so if we mm-hmm. are too busy to do something again we're saying that we're consuming our life with something that unless we're busy for god and communion um everything else is secondary um, to our relationship mm-hmm. with God. And so we can even be caught up being too busy doing ministry. And that's not what God wants either. So it's not to right. say, hey, get saved and, and spend 17 hours preaching the gospel. I mean, that's not what he's saying. Because if our life is is supposed to be worship, if our life is um, being the church and, and breathing out mm-hmm. this lifestyle, then we're always on mission, even if we're not actively on mission. And again, we've said this right. word second nature so many times. So again, let just let Christ be your life and be hidden Christ. And the only way you're gonna do that is just by staying close to the word. I mean, I don't read anywhere where it says, um, how can a young man keep his way pure by doing ministry? I mean, it doesn't say that. <laughs> you know what I'm so if it doesn't say that, then we have to focus our attention on what he is saying, which is draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Like those yeah. are the things that he's saying. So yes, there are things that are important, but if those are the things that are saturating our time then we have our perspective and our our priorities out of whack. And we're not going to see the fruit that we want to see if we're not willing to meditate and give up time to God. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was just my last thing. And, and um, just kind of as, as a person, you're going to get into application. But for me personally, that's one thing that I've been really conscious of because um, I've been spending a lot of time focused on prayer and, and wanting to pray more instead of doing more, um, especially mm-hmm. as a visionary and as a planner. 
uh, I want to do, but I, I feel like I have to spend more time praying about doing instead of doing because mm-hmm. the fruit is in God being for that and then God's power being rested in that as opposed to my own mm-hmm. uh, abilities. And so I want to constantly just teach myself to be more in prayer. But in doing that, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, we pray without ceasing, right? And so we think about mm-hmm. the fact that, yeah, we're always praying. And so, yeah, like I could be driving to work and I'm praying, or I could be, you know, walking down the street, or I could be watching TV and doing the commercial, I could be praying. Y- yes, you can do that. But think about even when Christ prayed, like he walked away from the crowds. He got away mm-hmm. and prayed in secret. And that's where, even when you go back to Matthew 6, it says, you know, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who are praying in public, right. but go, you know, to your heavenly father who is in secret, you know, shut the door, go into your closet. Mm-hmm. If you're not having those moments with God, then you can't really say that you're in communion with God. Because if I was to ever say that I would spend time with my wife, but I was always multitasking, like I'm not giving her my full attention. So if I'm multitasking mm-hmm. and praying all the time, even though that is something that we can do and, and we're praying through moments, if mm-hmm. all the time I'm praying is through a moment and not stopping to pray, then I'm not yeah. really intimate with God because that means I'm always doing something else while I'm talking to him. And I don't think he would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Nor would you appreciate that if I was doing that to you, right? If I'm texting while talking, like that's just, we mm-hmm. don't do that naturally to people. And so we think that it's okay for God to not really spend time in meditation and, and, and really seeking him fully. So I just want that to be the thought behind what we say is that we have to give God secret time or else we're probably not giving our best time. So. Yeah. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time today to hear, to learn, to receive about meditation and what it is to meditate truly upon you. Thank you, Lord, for just um, helping us to see where we fall on the spectrum of um, how we meditate, if we meditate on you, and just our thoughts. Where are our thoughts? What kind of thoughts do we have? What kind of thoughts do we um, center our affections on? What kinds of thoughts do we indulge in, delight in? So thank you, first of all, just for knowledge, the the ability to even learn, um, the opportunity to even learn of you. Um, You invite us to come unto you and learn of you. And so we thank you just for the opportunity because um, it's not given to all, not all accepted. Um, So we just thank you um, that you have chosen us, you have called us, and and you want us to know you. Um, So thank you just, Lord, for... Everything that is so glorious about you that we can grow in knowledge and understanding and wisdom and application and actually doing. Uh, we repent, Father. Um, I repent on my behalf and the behalf of everyone who's listening, Lord, just like the prophets of old would repent for themselves and the sins of their fathers and the people. Um, for the times that our meditations were not wholesome, that they were not healthy, Um But thank you, God, that you are gracious and merciful to give us another chance to learn uh, what is good and and be directed on the right path. And, um, Lord, we just thank you for what will come of this. As we have now heard and as we are in the process of receiving um, and will continue to meditate on what has been spoken today so that we can continue to receive the implanted word that has been sown on our hearts, God. Um, And I pray that there will be obedience that follows. I pray that there will be hearts that turn. I pray that there will be minds that shift and hearts that are transformed 
um, to deeper levels with you, deeper relationships with you, deeper desires, delights, and interests in more of you. And so, God, just help us to frame our time, to center our times around you. Help us to know that nothing that we give up in this natural world will ever um, falter because we chose you first, God. You are just an awesome God, and you are just, nothing compares to you. Nothing is greater than you, and nothing is worth more than you. So we just love you, God, and thank you that you are with us through all the challenges in our lives that we may go through. Um, we're, We're not sitting here telling people that they won't have problems, but we are trying to direct them to you so that when they do come, they know where to go to, and they know to turn to you and not away from you. So, Father, thank you for this opportunity to be your vessels this afternoon, and we just pray that every hearer will gladly receive your word and that they will um, come to you for further understanding and also application of what they have learned on this day. We love you so much, God, and we pray your blessings upon our lives and the people that are here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Herbro His Sis. Catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you, our family in Christ. Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Herbro His Sis.